0: Hello and welcome to the Nature Storyteller Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you will immerse yourself in the enchanting realm of storytelling and let me take you on an extraordinary adventure through stories in nature. In each episode we will bring you a delightful blend of traditional folk tales and original stories all inspired by our own experiences of the wonders of the natural world. Join us as we uncover the secrets of towering trees, majestic wild animals, the changing seasons, ancient celebrations, and the relentless dance of the weather. Join us then for this enchanting podcast that will take you to a place deep within your own imagination, where nature comes alive through the magic of storytelling. Once upon a time, and a long time ago, The birds did not build nests, they simply perched on branches, boulders or even the ground and they laid their eggs just wherever they happened to be. Now this as I'm sure you can imagine wasn't very good as the eggs got broken or rolled away and the birds then had no chicks and the world was much too quiet and a very sad place to be without chicks. Magpie thought to herself that there has to be a better way, and she began gathering some sticks from the woodland floor. Once she'd collected enough sticks, Magpie began to weave them together, creating a robust rounded platform which she hoped would be more comfortable and keep her eggs from rolling away. Magpie flew to the middle of her nest and settled down. But, oh, those sticks were knobbly and gnarly, and they poked into her. Magpie was uncomfortable, and she thought to herself, this is not the nest for me. Crow, who had been watching magpie from a neighboring tree, thought the robust, rounded platform of sticks ideally suited her needs. And as soon as Magpie left, Crow flew to the middle of the nest and settled down to lay her eggs. And Crows have been making their nests in this way ever since. Magpie began thinking about how to make her nest softer and more comfortable. As she flew along the river, she looked down and she had an idea. Oh, that's it, she thought. Mud is soft. I can use the mud from the riverbank to line my nest. So she swooped down to gather a beak full of the wet mud and she mixed it with the twigs from the woodland floor to create a comfortable and soft nest. Excitedly, magpie flew to the center of her nest and settled down and she thought, oh yuck, as gloopy mud stuck to her beautiful iridescent feathers. This nest is too muddy and gloopy, and it is not the nest for me. Song Thrush, who had been watching magpie from a nearby hedgerow, thought the nest looked absolutely perfect for her. As soon as magpie left, she flew to the middle of the gloopy, muddy nest and settled down, using her tummy to shape the mud into a smooth, round bowl and song thrushes still build their nests this way to this day. Magpie was thinking about how she could make a robust, comfortable but not gloopy and muddy nest as she flew over the meadow. Ah, that's it, Magpie thought, I would make a nest by weaving the grass with twigs. Magpie swooped down to gather a beak full of long grass and she began weaving it together. She weaved the grass all day and created a robust, comfortable woven nest. But as she flew to the middle of the nest, she got stuck. Her new nest was just too small for her to get in. Oh, it's taken me all day to weave this nest, but it's too tiny, thought Magpie. This is not the nest for me. Blackbird, who had been watching Magpie all day long, thought that the nest woven of grass would be perfect for her to lay her eggs. And as soon as Magpie left, she flew to the middle of the nest and settled down. Magpie flew around and thought to herself, I know, I will build a giant nest that will be robust and comfortable and big enough for me and all my family. So she began collecting the bigger branches from the woodland floor, and she carried them all up high into the trees where she worked them together to form a giant platform. At last, after a long and busy day, magpie settled into the centre of the giant nest she had built and began to settle down. But as she did, one of the branches toppled out of the side of her nest. Magpie immediately went to fix the broken branch, but just as she did, another branch on the far side of the nest toppled out. And just as magpie fixed that one, yet another branch toppled out from the nest. Oh, this is crazy, thought Magpie. This nest is just too big and it is not the nest for me. Now, Owl had been watching Magpie from a secret perch hidden in the woodland all this time. As Magpie left, Owl flew over and liked what she saw. She thought this would be a perfect nest for me and my owlets and she settled down And even today, this is how owls build their nests. Magpie was up and out bright and early the next day, determined to build herself a nest that would be perfect for her and her family. As she flew around looking for inspiration, a raindrop landed on her head, then another and another, and finally it began to rain. That's it, thought Magpie. I need to build my nest with a roof. Magpie began to gather sticks from the woodland floor and she weaved them together to create a robust platform before starting to weave the walls together and finally weaving a fantastic domed roof. Of course, Magpie had left a round hole in one of the walls that was the perfect size for her to slip through. As she settled into her nest with a roof, magpie felt the sticks poking into her. And it was then that she remembered that sticks were just too uncomfortable and that this was not the nest for her. Long-tailed tit had been watching magpie all day from a small branch nearby. As soon as magpie left long-tailed tit flew over to the nest with the domed roof and thought this would be perfect for me and my family. I shall go now and gather mosses and lichens from the trees, cover the roof to keep the rain out and make it comfortable and warm. And that is exactly what she did. And this is how long-tailed tits build their nests even today. Magpie was sitting in a tree nearby and saw what long-tailed tit was doing. Oh, of course that's it, she thought. But I know I can make my nest even more comfortable and warmer than that, and off she flew. Magpie returned some time later. She had built a new robust nest from the sticks she had gathered from the woodland floor and weaved an excellent roof covered in lichen and mosses. But inside, Magpie had created her dream home and lined her nest with dried leaves and sheep's wool and even some of her own feathers plucked from her own white chest. It all made it cozy and warm for her and her family. She'd even found one or two pieces of sparkly treasure that she brought into the home so she could sit and admire. And of course, that is how magpies still build their nests to this very day. Once upon a time, and a fair while ago, there were two brothers, Archie and Alex, who lived in the highlands of Scotland. They'd farmed their own wheat crop but it was not large enough to support them, and so they had to take on other work when they could find it. Alex was the oldest and he had always been the boss. He told Archie what chores to do each day, and he was the one who collected the money from the people they worked for. Very occasionally, and if the jobs have been particularly tough, like repairing the farm roads or building stone walls, Alex would give Archie sixpence. Even in those days though, sixpence wasn't very much money, but Archie never collected. On a fine autumn morning, the rowan trees were ripe with red berries and the swallows circled high in the sky, preparing for their long flight south. Archie and Alex were up early to begin the long walk to the job they had taken on, fixing an old stone dyke in a field next to the long road out of town. As usual, Archie was working hard, putting the big stones into the wall whilst Alex was under a tall tree, taking a nap. A man came walking along the road and he called out as he reached where Archie was working. Good day to you. Would it be all right if I picked some of that heather growing in your field over there? The traveling man pointed to the heather, flowering all over the hillside. Aye, but the heather's not ours, said Archie. We're working here for the farmer who owns it, but I'm sure he wouldn't mind if you were having a wee bit of heather now. After all, there's plenty of it," said Archie as he waved his hand across the sweep of the hillside, which was purple with heather blossoms. The traveler thanked him, instantly jumping over the wall, and with his pocket knife, he began cutting long, tough strands of the flowering plant. Archie watched, fascinated by the man's speed and skill with the sharp knife. What are you going to do with all that heather? asked Archie. I'm going to make besoms with it, he said. You know, brooms for sweeping floors, steps, and paths. Folk always need a good new besom at this time of the year. Well, How'd you make a besom? asked Archie curiously. Well, replied the traveler man. You take a straight piece of wood, like a hazel branch, for the handle. Then you place the heather around one end. Tie it on good and tight with string or strong wire and shape the ends of the head nice and tidily with a sharp knife. Then you have a fine new bazoom. How much can you get for a bazoom? asked Archie, who was beginning to have an idea. Sixpence of broom, said the traveller, but if you make one a wee bit bigger and brighter, well, you can ask a shilling for it. A shilling? gasped Archie. I've never earned that much money in my whole life. I'm lucky if he, and Archie pointed towards Alex, who was still fast asleep under the tall tree, if he gives me a measly sixpence for a whole week's hard work, and you can get that much for one week, bazoole. What does it take to make one? The traveller smiled at Archie and said, Well, I could make a decent enough one in an hour or two. Archie's mouth was wide open. This man could make more money for a couple of hours of agreeable work than he had made in a whole week of back-breaking labour. Archie thanked the man for sharing his wisdom and bid him farewell traveler bundled the heather under his arm and Archie watched as he went down the road until the man was out of sight. By now Archie had made up his mind and he marched over to Alex, gave him a firm shake and shouted, I quit. His brother woke up with a start and Archie repeated himself even louder to ensure his brother had heard him. I said I quit. What do you mean you quit, said Alex? I mean, I'm finished working for you, said Archie. I am not taking orders from you anymore. And I'm not working for sixpence a week ever again. Alex was still half asleep and very confused. He said, but what could you possibly do besides work for me? He asked, looking puzzled. I'm going to make brooms, just like the tinkers do, and I'm going to sell them for sixpence apiece, said Archie confidently, before continuing, and when I'm good at making them, I will charge a shilling, a bazoon. Alex started laughing at his brother, you can't make bazoons like a tinker can, they're skilled craftsmen, they started learning from their parents and grandparents when they were still wee bairns, besides what do you need money for, you live in the house with me and I buy all your food and I don't charge you for any of it. I'll do whatever I like with my money, said Archie, who was so angry that he turned away from his brother and strode off towards the croft. On his way, Archie cut a big bundle of bushy heather and found some good stout tree branches. As soon as he got back to the croft, he went to the barn and he set about making his first bezoom. Archie made it just as the traveller had told him to lay heather fronds tightly next to each other all around the pole. He bound the bundle on securely with good copper wire and then sliced the pointy tips of the header off with a newly sharpened knife. When Archie had finished, he stood back and admired his bazoom, which was quite a thing to see. You see, Archie had used almost twice as much heather as the Tinker had collected that day but the thing was the traveling man could make at least three or four brooms out of what he collected and Archie had made just one. But it was the biggest and the sturdiest bazoom you could ever see. Archie was in too much of a hurry to think about it and set off immediately to see if he could sell it. Archie went into the village knocking on every door but no one wanted to buy his bazoon. Some told him they'd bought one already from the tinker and others just laughed as it was far too big or far too heavy for them to sweep with. Carrying his enormous bazoom, Archie walked to the neighbouring village and the one beyond that. In fact, he walked further than he'd ever gone before. Far beyond all the village's houses and even the farms that he knew. It was getting quite dark by now and Archie was almost ready to give up when he noticed a wee white cottage high on the hillside. His heart lifted. He wondered if the traveling folk would have bothered going all the way up there to sell their goods. So Archie began to climb the steeply sided hill and eventually the wee path snaked its way to the white cottage. And Archie knocked on the door. A large woman with red rosy cheeks answered the door. What can I do for you? she asked. Archie said he was selling this bazoom he had made. When she saw the oversized bazoom, her face lit up. Well, that's the biggest and finest bazoom I have ever seen. How much do you want for it? Archie explained that since it was the first one he had ever made, that sixpence would be plenty. The woman, whose name was Big Mags, smiled and asked if she could take a good look at the bazoom. After a wee while, she smiled again and said, It's excellent. I will buy it. She disappeared into the cottage and soon returned with a very shiny sixpence and she handed it to Archie. As she did, she leaned close and whispered into Archie's ear, Now, laddie, this is a very special sixpence every time you spend it you will find a new shiny silver sixpence in your wallet to replace the one you have just spent well Archie couldn't believe his luck a magic sixpence he looked at big mags and saw a special sparkle in her eyes He thanked her before hurrying back to the village because if this sixpence was as special as Big Mags had said, he would never have to work for his brother again. Big Mags was special just like the coin she'd given Archie. You see, Big Mags was a witch. In fact, she was the most powerful witch in all of Scotland. The other witches didn't like Big Mag, but the local folk got on with her just fine because of her kind and friendly nature. The other witches said cruel things about her size because they were jealous of Big Mag's happy disposition. But mainly, they just didn't like Big Mag's because her magic was far more potent and her spells far more powerful than all of them combined. Big Mags only used her magical powers for good, making the other witches even angrier and nastier to her. So, Big Mags decided it was time to teach the other witches a lesson. It was almost Halloween, and as Big Mags knew, the local witches would gather in the birch tree woods clearing for their special Halloween celebration. Now, Big Mags had not been out on a Halloween for many a year, partly because the other witches were always so mean to her and partly because she had never found a bazoom that was large enough for her to ride upon. But now she had arches beautifully made, oversized, sturdy bassoon to ride upon. Big Mags conjured up a powerful spell to create the most spectacular bazoom to carry her speedily and stealthily into the Halloween night. Just before midnight on Halloween, she went high into the air, riding her magnificent new bazoom. She sailed through the sky and then hovered over birch tree woods, a long way below. Big Mags could see all the other witches arriving at the clearing. The fire was lit and the cauldron was beginning to steam. When Big Mags swooped down on the stroke of midnight, and as she raced through them, the wind blast from the speed of Archie's magical bazoom buffeted the witches to the left and to the right, scattering them like rats being chased by cats. When the witches had recovered and got back to their feet and saw Big Mags had caused the commotion they were very unhappy and started whispering in a cackling sort of way who invited her said one. Oh no it's Massive Mags said another Drax, Goody Two Shoes is here said another huh. don't mind me said Big Mags I'm just here to have a little Halloween fun and with that she softly whispered a wee incantation, almost like a rhythmical humming. The other witches just looked at each other. Just as Big Max finished her whispered humming, All of the small and skinny broomsticks belonging to the other witches leapt into the air, swirling and twirling like dervishes around the other witches' heads. The brooms went faster and faster. One looped the loop, another whistled like a firework rocket leaping high into the night sky, whilst others spun. And one witch, who tried to escape on her broomstick, was cast off it, right over the muddiest, smelliest part of the boggy marsh. Big Mags moved her arms like a conductor whose orchestra were playing motorhead. The brooms aligned, standing statuesque in the night sky. With a swish of her arm, Big Mag sent all of the other witches' brooms high up into the birch tree tops and birch tree woods. And where they came to rest, the other witches could do nothing to get their brooms back because Big Mag's magical spell was so much stronger than theirs. Big Mag flew into the air on Archie's magical bazoom, and faster than the speed of light she sped off into the night sky and returned to her wee white cottage on the top of the hill. All the other witches could hear was Big Mags laughing as the miserable, mean witches had to walk miles and miles through the bogs and mud to return to their homes. Big Mags had undoubtedly taught them a lesson that they would never forget and did you know even to this very day If you look up into the canopy of birch trees, you can still see those witches' broomsticks stuck there. They look like big twigs in a crow's nest. But look closer and you will see that they really are witches' broomsticks. And now you know how they got there. Thank you for joining us today at Nature Storyteller. I hope the stories have taken you on a journey to a beautiful place deep within your own imagination. And at the same time, I hope you feel like you have gained some knowledge about the natural world and the wild creatures that share it with us. Storytelling has always been a way for our ancestors to share their understanding and learning about the world. Through the generations, these stories have entertained, informed, and inspired people. And they continue to do so to this very day. It's time for me to return to the forest and begin a new adventure that I'll share with you on the next Nature Storyteller podcast.